I'm your host, Jody Geiger, and welcome to Winning as Women, powered by the Compete Network and Clue. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Kelsey Boyer, a certified leadership coach, breathwork instructor, and founder of the Women's Leadership Accelerator. And Kelsey works with women and organizations to support them in owning their seat at the table, find harmony between their careers, their health, and their personal lives. And what I know about harmony is it's elusive. <laughs> and when we care, um, when we care about the work that we're doing and we wanna add value, we can often get caught up in the busyness of doing and speaking personally, I often struggle to balance um, those things, home life, work life, uh, finding time for my own health, and especially that you know, uninterrupted connection time with family. And it can feel sometimes like I'm working so hard to be everything to everyone that you know, my, often my narrative on myself is, I'm working so hard to do this, but I'm spreading myself so thin. You know, am I nothing to no one at this point? Um, and it's this feeling that led me to join a breathwork session hosted by Kelsey. And there, through my laptop screen, I sat with women who were also seeking that grounding and that sense of calm. And that 60 minutes with Kelsey brought me back into my body and into my breath. And the focused breathing rooted me back into my values. And it energized me in a way that I, I wasn't expecting. And anyone who needs a little space to open up in their lives and give breathwork a try, I, I highly recommend it. And Kelsey, you are here. Welcome. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad that the breathwork experience was so powerful and impactful for you. That just makes my heart happy. It was. It absolutely was. And it's something I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting your next session on. Oh, yes. I got you, girl. August 29th. I just posted it today. <laughs> Amazing. I will spread the word. I've been telling everyone I know to sign up. So that's um, exciting. Awesome. Um, Love it. And so, Kelsey, the first time that we connected, I was... I don't know, inspired, I felt there was an energy, a sense of passion um, with, the, with the work that you're doing and the type of impact that you want to have in the world. And, you know, for many, when I describe your job and the things that you get to do, it's probably a dream job. It's one of those ones that's on the list, I think, for most people. Um, you spend your time yeah. connecting and inspiring, you know, incredible women and speaking on topics that you're passionate about, helping people breathe and ground themselves. Uh, yeah, pretty yes. dreamy. <laughs> uh, pretty so, dreamy. Pretty dreamy. Um, so I'm, I think, you know, all of us are, are probably wondering um, how you created this niche for yourself, uh, what inspired mm -hmm. it, and maybe how can you, um, yeah, share your story. How did you get here? Absolutely. More than happy to share my story. And so what really started this pretty early on in life for me was growing up with a mother who was struggling with drug addiction. And my parents got divorced when I was very young. And so anytime I was with her, that was my reality. And I had to step into, as the oldest kid, step into a pretty big leadership role as, as a preteen in my family. And it's continued on and she is now clean we have an incredible relationship and everything is great but 
that's really what started everything for me. And when I turned probably 18 or 19, I I was very serendipitously, my stepmom at the time launched an organization called Fit Active Beautiful Foundation, all dedicated to helping youth girls in underprivileged areas become strong women through the power of running. And running was my therapy at the time. And also, I knew that all of these young girls were experiencing what I had just gotten gotten myself out of and really gotten on the other side of. And this is what fired, really fueled my fire for coaching at a very young age. And I think like a lot of us millennials, we were told to go to university, get your nine to five, that's all you can do. And I definitely fell into that. And I, I'm, I'm glad I did. I don't think coaching was meant for me full time at that time. And so on the corporate side, I spent the majority of my career in the technical recruitment industry. My last role was I was brought on as the third employee and eventually made partner as I built the team from the ground up. And in all of my roles, the biggest thing I notice is not only was I the only woman leader at the table, I was always the youngest, so not taken as seriously. And I did as much as I could to build up women internally at my organization, but I, I recognized that my impact was was pretty limited. And in getting my seat at the table and owning my seat at the table, I did lose myself in the process and brought myself back towards the end. And a lot of the lessons I learned from the experience with my mom and coaching those youth girls really applied to how I was able to build my confidence and and excel as a leader. And of course, it applied to every other area of my life. And I got to a point of just really questioning whether the industry the industry I was in was for me. I had just ended a three and a half year relationship that I thought was the one. And I was questioning everything. And really that big transition year gave me the final push that I needed. And that would have been in early 2020 to quit my job, start Women's Leadership Accelerator. And originally it was a one-on-one coaching program for aspiring and new female leaders to really just step into their confidence. And now it's still really focused on that, but with the goal of being able to work their way up and own their seat at the table. And the reason why I focused on aspiring and new leaders is a big gap I noticed is the executives get all the attention, but there's not that many women executives. So what am I just coaching the women who are already there, which I love doing, but what's most important to me is allowing more women to get to that point. And when they have that confidence in their career, it just trickles into every other area of their life. So now it's expanded into so many other wonderful things. Like you mentioned, now I'm a breathwork facilitator. Companies bring me in for employee wellness days. I lead a lot of team building workshops for organizations. So it's been awesome. There's, uh, yeah, thank you, Kelsey. There's so many threads in there that I think, <laughs> I'm not sure if you have looked back and connected those moments. Oh, yeah. And seen. Yeah. Um, resilience, I think, is obviously one of them. Um, but the other one, and that one I think is, you know, that one's apparent, and I, I, I see that in everything that you're describing. Um, but the other one that, that maybe is a little bit more subtle is that early, um, I don't know, like early maturity and kind of needing to grow up and that those early parenting or leadership, you know, older sibling type of skills. Um, 
and then stepping into that role in an organization and you're you know leading in and you're the youngest person there but you're kind of having to be the youngest person in a room of grown-ups so those that's not an, an unfamiliar uh, place for you to be um, yeah and the other thing that stood out for me within that is the comment about maybe not having had as much of an impact or able to have as much of an impact when you're in those rooms where you're you know, in a male-dominated environment and you want to bring up other females and not yet being able to. Um, and that's the yeah. one I'm most curious about. Are you able to expand mm-hmm. on that at all? Yeah, I think the the easiest way to to describe that is we were a small team. And so we I wasn't able to grow. We weren't able to grow at the capacity that I was really hoping for. So we maybe grew to a team of let's call it 15 and I wanted us I wanted us to be able to scale and so with a team of 15, there's only so many women that I can impact. So it's not necessarily that I wasn't able to impact, but at the same time, it was within my organization. And I knew that I could be impacting way more women from multiple organizations if I, if I decided to take that leap. Okay, so your experience is a lot more beautiful than my experience then. (laughs) What I was (laughs) picturing, uh, and and just it's literally through my own lens, is I think for me, because I I feel that way about my past, but I think for me, I I think I was so caught up in, I don't know if it was like being the only or having to feel like I had to do things better or faster um, than male peers that... I think I got so myopically focused on myself and my own kind of growth and yeah. progression within that environment. And I think in many ways, you know, being a, being a bit of a chameleon, I, I adopted that environment. Like I, I fit in, I'm one of you, whatever the culture is, like that's, you know, that's how I'm showing up. Um, and it wasn't oh, yeah. until I had my first child and stepped away for a year and came back and went, whoa, no. You know, I'm so not myself in this environment. And wow, you know, as a mother and maybe more of a, you know, a a wider empathy lens, man, I want to do so much more for other women than what I was doing, which I would probably label it as competing um, originally. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely had that experience, too, in all of my roles previous. Thankfully, my last role was a little bit different, but totally experienced the exact same thing and I also yeah I mean I tried to be one of the boys and everybody and I was always in very male-dominated environments so it was like oh Kelsey's a bro we can talk about anything with her and I I also I mean when my parents got divorced the two people I spent the most time with was my dad and my brother and I grew up playing hockey I was super into sports and so very naturally, I know my energy is extremely masculine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know I, I brought that into my corporate world, but I err into the corporate world. But I think the biggest thing I noticed was that I was no longer in control of being in my masculine. And it was almost like a survival instinct. And being in my masculine was a survival instinct to get out of the situation with my mom. And so that was something I really noticed that, and that's where same thing, the competitiveness came from and wanting to, to fit in. And even though some parts were natural to me, I think I just, I took it so far that I forgot about the other half and feminine side of me. So I, I'm completely with you on that. 
Mm-hmm. And we share similar things. Parents divorced at the age of six uh, and having, you know, just I think it's that older, sub, oldest sibling thing as well, where you're, you're, you step into this achiever and um, protector or like I will, you know, I'll be the one to kind of uh, forge th- through and find the path and everyone else can yep. follow. Uh, and that, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of courage in that. And as you say, survival instincts within that. Uh, but at least for me, you know, in, in the, you know, I'm in my 40s now, <laughs> I feel like the, yeah. the thinking has shifted for me on it. And it's more about what, you know, I, that was me. I had the, I had that you know, be it nurture um, situation that put me in that place where I was that person who was pushing forward in that way. But what about all the women who aren't and don't have to default into more masculine energy or more dominant, you know, personality traits? And where can we start to make space for um, and recognize how hard they might have had to work to be in the position that they are in and make space at that next level of leadership up that leadership can look different and they might not have all of the classic experience because in some cases they probably had to work harder to get even get to where they're at today. A hundred percent. So many of my, my clients have experienced exactly what you've described and feeling like their sensitivity and empathy and all of these feminine qualities were put them at a disadvantage and learning how to embrace that is is so incredibly important so for for sure i agree yeah and that's that leads me to some of my next questions of you know coaching women and coaching leaders mm-hmm. and organizations bringing you in are there some commonalities in topics that come up in early coaching oh, sessions yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. I mean, in terms of workshops, leading with confidence is my most popular one. And there's a lot of mindset pieces there. But I I would say I hear the same limiting beliefs over and over again. And they're, they're usually somewhere along the lines of, I can't make mistakes, or I'm a failure, I'm going to lose this job, I'm going to lose this opportunity, or I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm underqualified. Really, it is the imposter syndrome manifesting itself. So that would be the first one that I see a ton of. And then it's communication because communication, again, is my second most popular workshop. And I think there's this line of we are as women, like we we know we're naturally empathetic and compassionate, but we also have heard from all the leadership books out there that we need to be direct and blunt to to get any form of success in in our big in our conversations with with C-level executives and so it's also being able to bring that in in a way that feels authentic to the, to them while still practicing that sense of compassion and empathy so i would say those are the the top two biggest things i see mm-hmm. and is that are those topics at all things you've had to work on yourself yes and um, on the I'll start backwards this time, but on the communication side, because I was so masculine, I mean, even even to this day, my I, I think the biggest thing my parents tell me is like, if you want the blunt truth and no sugarcoating, ask Kelsey what she thinks. And so, I really had to learn to to c- communicate compassionately because I'm so direct and so blunt. And that was that was a big hurdle for me because 
I didn't realize at the time, especially when I was a new leader, that that not everybody was ready to receive the kind of feedback that I that I give. And so, for example, one of the first questions that I ask my coaching clients in our intake form is, how do you prefer to receive feedback? Do you prefer gentle or direct feedback? And do not do not feel embarrassed about needing gentle feedback because I know everybody is like, you need to get direct feedback. It'll make you more resilient and stronger. Like, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> Tell me what your needs are so I I can align with that. Because if you want me to be blood with you, I mean, that's very natural to me. But if you want me to be gentle, I can do that too. So absolutely, it's been, uh, it's been a journey, not only as a leader, but as a coach. And in terms of the limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome, absolutely. Especially being not only was I the youngest leader always, I look really young, <laughs> especially in my twenties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was getting ID'd until last year. It's absolutely ridiculous. So <laughs> it's a lot. And so I always had a limiting belief of like, well, no one's going to take me seriously. I look like I'm fifteen, and uh, how is anybody going to believe that I'm smart enough or qualified enough if I don't have the years of experience that they're aligning my value with? So that was a big one I had to overcome. And I think I attracted a lot of women who feel that way too, and who are questioning their worth based on their years of experience. And the biggest thing I learned is that your your worth and the value you bring to your table, bring to the table does not lie in your years of experience. Like your ability to create results is what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I mean, at first I want to call you out on your humble brag about being <laughs> looking so young. <laughs> um, no, but second. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, that's good. Yeah. But secondly, um, the, the piece around direct communication and feedback and direct feedback. I'm curious, you give feedback directly. Do, is that how you like to receive it as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I, um, cause I coaching, you know, I'm a coach as well and coaching people. I sometimes find that people say, and maybe this is part of the imposter syndrome, but they say that they want to receive direct feedback. And then they actually, you know, over time realize, oh, no, I actually want gentler feedback. And, um, and then they, again, over time feel like their team members that they're coaching ask for direct feedback. And again, over time, it devolves into gentler feedback. Not that it's less honest, but it's just a bit softer in its approach. And, you know, there's a like a niggle for me, that <laughs> I also grew up being quite direct and blunt. And my yeah. mom's favorite saying to me is, what would the kinder version of you say in this moment? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, yeah. I think it's it's a funny observation for me that most people, maybe as you say, it's a societal thing, but they think that they should or should deliver or should need to receive feedback bluntly. But we actually might want the opposite as humans. 100%. Yeah, it is totally a societal thing. Like you should be able to hear it. And uh, and you hit the nail on the head. And I, I, when I start off with my coaching clients, if I have feedback for them, like I know you said direct, but I'm going to give you an example of what direct feedback sounds like for something different, but something that I know you might want feedback on. And then what the gentle version sounds like. Mm -hmm. What makes you, what do you, which one do you resonate with more? What makes you feel 
more fulfilled and like you were able to receive the feedback and for that exact reason because almost all my clients say direct and i know that that's not what they actually want or yeah. need yeah and so i think that you're right it's we're conditioned to think that's what we should say um that we're big yeah. enough and, <laughs> and brave enough to handle it um i i wonder kelsey having coached a lot of women and run a lot of different leadership sessions if mm -hmm. on particularly on communication, um, if you were to give some advice to leaders today on communication, what would be some top tactics that you would have them use? Great question. And so I'll, I'll give a brief overview of something called nonviolent communication. There's actually a book out on it that somewhat that that you can purchase by Marshall Rosenberg, I'm pretty sure is his last name, but I teach a lot of similar concepts to not uh, to non-buying communication. So when we're communicating, a lot of the times, like the way we've been conditioned to communicate is really makes per the person on the other end defensive. And that's why we're not really able to have productive conversations. So being able to communicate an observation as opposed to your perception of the situation like you are you're being disrespectful isn't going to land with somebody but being able to describe a specific circumstance and how and just the straight facts like the last three meetings we had scheduled you showed up 10 minutes late like that is there, there there's nothing up for discussion there like that is a straight fact and being able to communicate that and how it made you feel and not how you and, and not how you think because a lot of the times I mean how many times I even catch myself so still doing this today when I'm about to express an, a, how I feel about something or an opinion about something and I say I feel like we should do this but that's not <laughs> that's not a feeling and so being really clear on okay but how does this actually make me feel and what are my unmet needs in the, in the experience that's making me feel this way and then making some sort of request of the person on the other end. So that is the the concept of nonviolent communication, like observations, feelings, unmet needs, and requests. And of course, there's it's it's much deeper than that. And I, the other thing that I would tack on to that is, I know again, you read in every leadership post, uh, every leadership post on LinkedIn, and every leadership book, like be a good active listener, but like. What the heck does that mean? And so active listening is really about listening to understand instead of listening to respond. A lot of times in conversation, someone says something and you're like, oh my God, say, like, I do that too. And then you talk about yourself. But active listening is all about really taking in what they're saying and seeing what they need from you in that experience and repeating back or paraphrasing to ensure that you've understood that you really understand them because a lot of times when people are coming to you with a challenge or asking just asking for you to hear them out like they just want to feel understood and you repeating back like oh my god same sometimes it's helpful because they feel validated that they're not alone in the experience but understanding and even asking like what do you need from me like do you need me do you need to vent right now or would you like my advice mm -hmm. yeah and those are two really interesting um or i think two really important topics and i love the nonviolent communication what's uh, similar to that is there's another model if people are curious um by gervais bush called the experience cube 
I'm not sure if you've oh, heard yes. of that one, Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in that one, what I love about it, it's, it's similar in the model, but the observations, um, he talks about things a video camera would capture, that undisputed yes, yes. thing that everyone has seen. And then, yeah, moving into your, um, your thoughts about it. So what's the story I'm telling myself about that? And how am I feeling in relation to it? And then the hardest part I find, I mean, distinguishing between feelings and, think, and, and your thoughts, that's a big one. But I think that yeah. almost the hardest one is um, articulating what I want out of it. Because now I actively mm-hmm. move into problem-solving territory, and I have to be able to advocate for my own uh, desires in that situation and my own outcomes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the active listening, one I will build on with that one too, is um, Otto Sharman has a really good YouTube video um, on the different levels of listening and the highest level being listening for potential. Uh, and I feel uh-huh. like that's what you, yeah, you're taught a lot in coaching um, is to find um, what is it that that person is possible of or like a future potential that you're hearing and picking up cues for that they may not yet see that you could maybe bring yeah. into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny the different names for it because some practitioners call it like me listening, you listening, global listening, and then there's other. But yes, the three types of listening are so important to understand. I love that. Cool. Um, And so wrapping up winning as women, um, I ask a a question each show, um, which is what does winning as a woman mean to you today? Oh, I love that question. I think what winning as a woman means to me today is, uh, I know we were we were talking about this earlier, but like, I know when, when I get out of bed every single day, like, I am so excited to do what I do. I feel so fulfilled and not just, and not just in my career, but I'm sure a, a lot of people have heard of the five balls of life analogy and it's essentially there are you're you're tossing around five balls. Maybe one is your career, one is your soul, one is your health, one is your friends, and one is your family. Let's say, and all of the balls are glass except the career ball. That is the only ball that is rubber and can bounce back. And so, winning as a woman for me really means that I'm prioritizing all of the balls of life, and I'm feeling fulfillment and in all areas, but not in a way that as women have conditionally been taught to feel guilt or shame around. Like It's just that I know that I feel that harmony and balance in my life and it doesn't have to look like I am doing it perfectly in every area, but I feel loved by my friends and family. I feel healthy and I prioritize my health. My soul, I mean, feels completely fulfilled and I'm supporting my mental health and in my career, I'm doing work that lights me up and gets me out of bed every day. I haven't heard that analogy and I love it. Oh, yay! Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> I think there's so much, um, it's such a permission slip within your career to say that's the thing that bounces back. It'll be here for you. Uh, it reminds me of a, an episode of a leader that we had on Winning as Women recently, um, Jessa Jennings from Salesforce. And she said, yep. if I could tell women that their professional brand would still be there for them after a mat leave and just take the time that you need, um, you know, I'd love to be able to impart that on them. And that tied into me with the, the rubber ball analogy. 
Mm, what a what a beautiful reflection from from her as well. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Kelsey, for being here. And um, in terms of the best place for listeners to catch more of, of your insights and follow along with, with some of the things that you're learning and sharing, where do we go? Yes. So definitely add me on LinkedIn, Kelsey Boyer. It'll have a she slash her beside it. My website is wla.coach. You can sign up for my newsletter there or just take a look at my resources available and I have a book coming out on August 30th that I'm a co-author in. The title of the book call, is called Things I Wish I Knew. And my chapter is focused on things I wish I knew about climbing the corporate ladder as a female leader. So head on over there and I'm excited to hear what, what you think of it. Oh, I love it. And that uh, topic is near and dear to my heart. So I'll definitely be checking that out. And Amazing. thank you to, as well, to our production uh, team. We have Grayson and we have producer Ben at the Compete Network. So thank you to everyone here for making the show happen. And I'm Jody Geiger, and we'll catch you next time on Winning as Women. 